0: Hey everybody, this is Amy Savin and you're listening to Frequency.
1: Good morning, everybody. Well, it's, it's morning for us on the Frequency Podcast, but welcome back. This is Dan Thompson, and I'm talking with Joe Brookhouse, who got up a lot earlier than me this morning. I think it was, well, you'd have to be up before 5 a.m. to talk to me, eh, hey, Joe?
0: Uh, barely, barely before 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> the, the alarm went off at 4.45, and I went, oh, oh, no. Why uh, am I getting up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, 5 a.m. is usually when I get up. And actually, I've been getting up at like 4.30. I've been moving it back because there's just stuff to do.
1: Yeah. I actually enjoy getting up early. And um, it's the most wonderful time of year because for me, I'm actually on holidays for the first time as uh-huh. official official holidays where I don't have responsibility on a Sunday since 2011, I think. It's been a long time because in the past couple of years, being part of a new ministry, I, I filled the gap for other people's holidays. Yeah. Um, You know, and I did it, you know, willingly, but uh, it's weird to not have to lead a Sunday church service. It's, I don't remember the last time. And even uh, recently we've been changing our structure and we, you know, another, a pastor had left and, you know, we were filling different voids. And so I actually led worship every week since April. And, you know, you, you kind of get in a routine in a groove. So it's going to be weird this weekend to not be doing it. I'm not going to know what to do with myself. I'm going to go visit someone else's church and watch them.
0: (laughs) There you go. You and I have something in common because I won't be leading this Sunday either. And this is, um, this will be like only the fourth time in two years Mm. where I have not been, well, no, I guess it's only this, maybe the second time in two years that I have not led worship, whether at my church or another church. Right. Um, because we're at, um, uh, Vanessa and I are actually at a retreat where we are getting leadership training for better marriages, which used to be, um, I think it used to be called ACME, but it, they've been around since the mid seventies, similar to marriage encounter and some of those stuff, but okay, yeah, I'll yeah. be, I'll be there. So fun stuff. No, that's good. I think it's important to do that stuff. How long have you been married? Uh, 15 years. Wow. wow. Well, I don't know if that's, I mean, that when I think about it, I'm like, well, let me see, we've met in 97, so It's been, you know, we've known each other for 18 years and that's getting close to half my life.
1: I met Carrie in 1995 and we were married in 97. So we're working on 18 years. So I don't feel, I still feel and I remember in my mind what it was like when we first got married. Now, I was an idiot, but, (laughs) and I still feel like, I still feel like that sometimes. I, I swear it's taken me this long just to realize what my wife's needs are, but I still don't fulfill them properly all the time. <laughs> yes. Expectations are hard. So, but that's just because I don't know if it's my personality or what I can get into task mode and well, that's, that's not always good in a relationship.
0: No, that's that's because you're a guy. Um, just tell me what to do. I will do it. It's just like yeah. shopping. You know, I'm not shopping because I enjoy shopping. I'm shopping as a hunter gatherer. I want to get this. I get this. I come home. <laughs>
1: hello yeah yeah except when i'm looking for technology and i'll go to five six stores because i have a little bit of money and i want to look at all the gear and i want to evaluate um for example my sons and i were were looking for because they got 50 bucks each from nana and papa right and they're like well if we pool our money together we'll be able to get this but i know they don't share so I'm like, no, it's got to be 50 bucks or less. So they're looking at, you know, the 69.99 um, remote control helicopter. Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome, but you know what? It's 70 something with tax. Oh, you know, it's yeah. Those decisions that you have to make as a boy, you know, it's tough. And we we don't have Future Shop anymore, which was my favorite store. It's now called Best Buy because they apparently owned them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but in Canada, Future Shop was the fun place to go. Um Even the employees I think are frustrated by wearing the the blue shirt now um because I don't know if it's a Canadian thing because it's red, but uh future shop was red it was like like Canadiana, um right, of technology right. right so um to to have a American name, even though it was an American company that owned them it was it still seemed Canadian, so people liked it better as future shop so, but now they've been
0: know. assimilated by the Borg
1: yeah well, it's even like Radio Shack in Canada that it's now called the Source, well, yeah, they're out
0: of business here
1: they, yeah know, they don't exist in the United States anymore and there there is one here in Prince Edward Island, Canada. I have no idea why, and it still exists, so I don't know why it does because it's in like the mall that nobody goes to,
0: well, maybe there's it's... a lot of ham radio operators who are still really digging on it
1: <laughs> well. Radio Shack was the place to get those little oddities that, you know, you couldn't afford elsewhere or, you know, science project gadgets, I suppose. Um, hey, we we're supposed to get the geek talk out of the way before we hit record.
0: Joe. Yeah, five minutes in and we're talking about Radio Shack. Guys, we are so off base and uh,
1: very sad. <laughs> What's really geeky is I was watching guys um, doing creating lightsaber duos with software uh, last night with my boys. Um, you know, we're because we're getting ready for the new Force Awakens movie coming in December. Yes, we're we're super excited, which makes us either nerds or geeks, and I don't know which one it is.
0: I don't think that makes you a nerd or a, well. Let me think about this. You are watching lightsaber duels uh, and how to oh, make them. You no, too. yeah, no, that's it. That is sad. I just want to, yeah, because in that case, you're not. I'm a nerd then. You are watching other people who are nerds create yeah. something, emulating. Something else that means you are a nerd to this to the um, second degree. That's that's need, my, that's worse. I need
1: to be listening to the Nerdist podcast. Then is there such thing? There is. Oh. It's actually one of the most popular podcasts on YouTube, I believe. Oh well, obviously,
0: it's not popular with me. So
1: oh, there you <laughs>
0: go. No validation. <laughs>
1: All right, Joe. Um, We have a lot of interviews. Um, It's great content. I'm excited to get it out. Um, So, you know, we can let people know that they're coming up because we've actually done them. Yeah, Um, yeah, there's no danger
0: in that regard. They're already edited. They're already in the can. They're just waiting for Joe and Dan to find time, you know, like five in the morning to uh, to get a chance to chat. So uh, we're rolling them out, man.
1: Yeah, so we got the lead singer of City Harmonic, and I keep getting his first name wrong, so I actually skipped it intentionally. Oh, you mean <laughs> Elias? Do you it? Elias Dummer. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying Elias Dummer because I know an Elias. Um, so, but he he was kind to me because we we actually lived in the same town in Hamilton, Ontario. So, he was very kind, um, but an awesome interview. Lots of good content. Um, uh, the, the dude's just smart. He just he knows a lot of stuff. But um, you know, they're doing well, and they're Canadian. And they're, you know, they're also involved in ministry as well. So it's not just um, a money-making endeavor as musicians. So that's yeah. a good, a good interview. And um, uh, Brad Guldemon is another fellow from Canada who, um, you know, is, is getting his name out there. He's actually been at some songwriting seminars with Jenny Lee Riddle and the gang. Um, he's involved with uh, our friends over at All the Worship. Um, looking at some retreats so um yeah he's he's a force to be reckoned with he's he's not shy he gets his name out there so hopefully at some point he may actually do some stuff for us so uh, but his interview is coming up as well and do we have any others joe
0: well, uh, i got to sit down with the brothers mcclurg again and got recaptured uh, an interview with them they were back in town and we got to sit around a table we met over at the uh uh, CCLI offices with my friend, Paul Herman. So we all, mm-hmm. they let us borrow their, um, their conference room. We all sat around, they provided a big bowl of M&Ms, which you can hear throughout the interview as it's being passed around and <laughs> shuffled through. Um, so we have that interview. Did you
1: have to pay a per use fee because you're at CCLI? No, no, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I, I like CCLI because it provides perfect, per, not perfection <laughs> protection for you, you just pay the fee, and you don't have to worry about licensing it's just a joke. I actually appreciate those guys
0: well and if and because we advocate for artists to a certain degree there's uh, a lot of artists that wouldn't get paid had, mm-hmm. uh, if it wasn't for the the role that Ccli plays in that you know I, yes, I know that there are people who are like why are we why are we paying this company but you know as um, an artist if, if you're whether you're through a publishing company or self published i mean you know most people would not bother jumping through the hoops it would require to get permission to play a given song they'd be like well Mm -hmm. who's gonna know yeah you know you can take that attitude no that's a completely different topic we better stop um yeah
1: anyway so well well, in, in saying that you know i'm just reading the news where where drum beat loops are going to court because people are using them too much and now people are getting sued for using standard looped drum beats in their songs because they sound like another one in another song. So if you use like like a, a looped session downloaded from some site and it sounds like something, a backbeat from the breakdance movies back in the 80s, you could get sued. So, yeah, we're
0: we're uh we're jumping the shark on that stuff, you know. Oh uh, sorry, you used uh you use Auto Tune in the way that I did on this, and mm-hmm. um, and that means that your you know T Pain is going to sue you because uh, you stole his trademark or whatever. Yeah, I, exactly. I just listened to these stuff you should know about Auto Tune, so I I know everything about Auto Tune now. I, <laughs> just ask me.
1: Yeah. Well, and in the industry, uh, Melodyne is the. Um, the tool of choice for musicians because it doesn't actually tune you it just you can just nudge things so i'm actually a melodyne fan myself
0: yep we've 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 got melodyne Yeah. someday we keep threatening to do that gear show and uh, that would be one of the things that we talked about of course there's no point oh, yeah
1: that's right yeah we got to talk to drew brown
0: right we need to, i think we just need to get a three-way skype going and talk to drew brown but
1: yeah, yeah, he's a
0: gearhead, so that's good. Now, now we're over ten minutes now. We still haven't even mentioned our guest's name, so I think we need to get <laughs> on task and, and, and allow this artist, who's who's waited a, a, about six weeks since I interviewed him to get this interview out, which is much less than Gabriel Allred or Don Camp, for example. But
1: still, <laughs> you know. no, that's good. Yeah, well, Joe, you had the um, the privilege of interviewing David Dunn. Um, he had an album that came out recently called Crystal Clear. That's correct. Now, you know, a, a quick bio on him. I mean, he's done some cool things in his life. You, we were even saying before we recorded that um, he had a brief um, appearance on The Voice.
0: That, that's correct. And he, and we do talk about during the interview. And I think you'll appreciate that. We'll make sure we uh, kind of cover that on the other side, just kind of touch base on what his perspective on that was. But yeah, he was on The Voice, albeit... Mm-hmm
1: quite briefly. Yeah. And he's a BEC recordings artist. So he is a signed artist. Um, he's not somebody at a left field or, or just an indie that we came across. He's, he's actually with BEC recordings. Um, but he's had some, some things happen in his life, um, which I think you go into a little bit where he dealt with some health issues.
0: Well, you know, we did not talk about malaria. So, oh, okay. uh, but you can, so you can throw that malaria. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if you read his bio, it's on, it's on his website. Um, but basically he went to Africa for 13 months doing humanitarian work and missions work. Um, but while he was there, he contracted malaria. So he had to come back and recover, but he had this long stint of not doing anything as a result, um, which, you know, benefit to us is he was able to do songwriting. Um, and some, some things that I noticed when listening to the album, uh, which I did when we, he first shared it with us, yeah. uh, was it's more in the techno end yes. um he actually uses a lot of a lot of things actually that my, my son likes because he's into dubstep and dance music uh, electronic music um a lot of stuff almost sounds distorted but it's actually synth uh, that's one thing i noticed when listening in the headphones He's a lot of low-end synth um bass type um synth which uh you know i i grew up in the 80s listening to pesh mode and new order so i know what that is yeah. <clears throat> um but I notice it's a slightly different flare in what's out there than I mean, things are going pop. I mean, Toby Mac has has done a brilliant job of of doing that. and um, uh, there's other bands that are in the top 40, Christian radio that are are going that way. It just seems to be the way things are going. Um, but he he seems to have a, a songwriting flare over top of it. It's not just typical. Yeah. And he uses a lot of rhythmic stuff that's over, like intentionally overdone, which I thought was good. Um, and they're positive songs. He went through through not so fun times, but uh, I think one song's called Beautiful. Oh, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Everything is beautiful.
1: Everything is beautiful. Yeah. yeah great songs. Yeah. So definitely, um, you know, it's uplifting, it's, uh, it's fun. And there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's some production on his voice and things like that, but you get away with that in that genre. Yeah. it's not He's not a singer-songwriter type is what I'm saying. So uh, why don't we dive right into the interview that Joe did with David Dunn.
0: Hey, this is Joe Brookhouse from Frequency, and uh, welcome to another feature interview. Our guest today is BEC recording artist David Dunn. He just released Crystal Clear, an LP, as a follow-up to the 2014 EP of the same name. And uh, we're chatting with him. He just finished golfing. He's uh, somewhere in Dallas, undisclosed location. And uh, we'll be taking a picture of him so you can see the Jesus look he is currently sporting. So, David, welcome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. Cool.
0: Um, so I want to chat with you about the album, but maybe, maybe the first thing I want to get out of the way is folks who aren't familiar with you, and they should be because some of the songs on the album are getting pretty good airplay, but tell, give me the two-minute elevator speech regarding who David Dunn is.
1: Oh,
2: God. Two minutes. All right. Yeah, I'll um, cut you
0: off if you go long, man. Was-
2: okay. Okay, cool. Uh, born and raised in West Texas. Um, really was into sports, more than music, up until about my sophomore year in college, played up in Montana then transferred back to Texas tech really got passionate about music there then, because it was like the thing that filled up the, the sports whole time hole, um, started writing and, and, uh, and playing songs and kind of the acoustic community in Lubbock, Texas, um, finished college with a petroleum engineering degree, which makes me a nerd on the inside. Beautiful. We can talk, we can talk about that more later. I have quite the nerd resume and, um, Really had to d- decide right after college whether or not I wanted to do engineering or music um, you know ended up choosing music just because um, I'm able to see my music have an impact in people's lives basically immediately which is you know um, instant gratification which is not necessarily always a good thing but in this instance I felt like it was yeah. engineering I think is great and I love it it's fun uh, music is is uh, is is um, the ability to see Something come out of nothing, right? The creative process. I'm I'm absolutely addicted to, and um, you know, write songs about things I care about. Most of it has to do with with uh, you know things that have happened in my life and the and the, my close friends. And um, how am I doing? Is that two minutes? Yeah, you're
0: doing great, man. You're doing Boom. great.
2: All right. Yeah. Period. Yeah.
0: Period. Perfect. So, um, now you mentioned Montana, so I'm just going to do a quick rabbit trail right out of the gate. So, where cool. in Montana were
2: you? Um, I was in Butte, Montana. Oh, B U T T E. Yeah, up pronounced in, uh, northeast,
0: Butte. right? Northeast.
2: Um, it's kind of like north centralish. Okay, but but I'll I'll I'm, I think it's a little more east than west, so I'll give you the nod there.
0: All right, I used to be in Wyoming, not too really. Yeah,
2: come on, man, where?
0: That uh, place called Lovell.
2: Nope, never heard of it. Yeah,
0: of course you haven't. Yeah, you, yeah well, that's you, Wyoming. I'd I've li- been to
2: Cheyenne. That's about the extent. Oh, and I played one other place in Wyoming.
0: Laramie, Beautiful. Casper?
2: Um, Doesn't matter. Okay, cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, Wyoming, there's just not much going on there. But I, I've interviewed an artist, an up and coming Christian artist out of Wyoming. And you know Crazy. they got all those venues to play. You know places like yeah. Antelope with uh, fifty people living there. So right, right, beautiful. I hope yeah. you get better uh, venues currently as you're supporting this album. But
2: yeah, I've actually heard. Tell me if this is true or not. But I've heard that there are more cows in Wyoming than people. True or false?
0: That's probably true. Okay, um, cool. it's the least populous state in the union. There are um, f- there there's only like three towns in the whole state that have a population that's greater than their elevation. Okay. So
2: that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So make sure you, you know, swing by there on tour. I won't be there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll ask them if they know you.
0: They they might. They might. Yeah, probably. Well, anyway, it'll move on beyond the rabbit trail. I appreciate that. But um, so let's just talk about the album, uh, Crystal Clear. One thing I want to throw out right out of the gate is I listened to the EP when it came out probably about 100 times. Hey, great! Um, it was uh, it was the album that I used when I went running because it was just a, the the beat was great. It was you know definitely pop. Dude, thanks. Uh, but the hooks are great. You know, even you know, as Nick DeParty uh, and I were chatting about it over coffee last year, July, we were talking about just the, the great hooks, a lot of hooks in there, and uh, y- even though it's it, it's reaching into that CCM market, it, it's there's a little more depth to it than you might otherwise expect. So, really appreciated that. And uh, Dude, thanks, as I was, thanks, man. Well, and I like to lie to the people I interview with, too. So <laughs> yeah, make them feel well, better thanks, about themselves. Thanks for the
2: candor as well, then. <laughs>
0: Um, and so I've been listening to the new albums, the additional songs, and I actually appreciate there's um, even more depth there than exhibited from my perspective on the EP. So I appreciate what you've what you've done here. So now that I'm done gushing, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what the album represents to you, you know, as you were moving from that EP to the full
2: album. Totally. Okay, well... um, Here's how I describe this record, uh, and it's really just an extension from the EP because they're both in kind of the same category. I started off w- with the with the title, right? Is crystal clear idea. Crystal clear mostly deals with um, the question of why, right? And it's Job's question. So um, Job was going through all of this junk, right? Just just a mess of um, you know kind of the worst things that you could possibly go through as a human being. And um, his question at the end of it all was, "Hey God, what are you doing here? Why are you letting this happen to me?" Um, and it's a question we all ask, right? Yeah. I mean, whenever you go through something really difficult, you look up at the sky and you say, "God, what are you doing here?" And uh, so, in crystal clear, that's that's what I'm trying to tackle. And spoiler alert: I have no idea what the answer is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why God does what He does. But what I do know is this. Is it regardless of what we go through, and regardless how difficult our lives are currently, um, He always loves. His love is always crystal clear. Yeah. Uh, and and so and so that thing we can hinder in our lives, and we may not know why, but we do know that He loves, and that he has our best interests in mind. Even Job's best interests in mind when Job is going through all that junk. It really is the best for him. How do I know that? Because he's he's God's child and god wants what's best for his children so that's what i'm trying to tackle in crystal clear it's um uh,
0: it's ambitious
2: it is it is ambitious and i think it's you know it's important to me right it this started with me right is is you know some junk happened and it wasn't substantial it wasn't job stuff but you know it started with some things happening that i that i was not happy with god about some were the best and then he didn't let them happen and me shaking my fist and going, what are you doing here? Yeah. And so, you know, that was kind of the uh, the inception of uh the idea.
0: Cool. I read that you wrote you or you worked on like what hundred plus songs? Yeah. Uh and then you whittle that down to uh I think eleven, not counting remixes, right?
2: No, I counting I actually I, I whittled it down to about um 40. <laughs> Probably about 40. So, so I, I knocked off about 60 songs and there was about 40 in there. And here's the thing. When I create, I never know what's like garbage and what's really good. I have no idea because I think it's all amazing. Right. So, so I'll try to whittle it down just, just with ones that I think there's things in them that are problems. Right. And I'll whittle them down to whatever I think are the, are like, you know, hard for me to determine. And then I and then I just compile a group of people that I trust that that have um, artistic and creative minds and and I and I play them those songs and I let them pick them so I actually I actually kind of try to step back from which songs make the record at the end of the whole
1: ordeal.
0: Um how often after you write a song are you going to bring somebody in to say or to to listen and say hey is this good or is this garbage
2: Um I I almost always will show it to two or three people right after it's finished um and then I kind of put it in the in the song bank and then and then usually don't pull it back out until it's time to go back in and record some more songs um so immediately, to answer your question. Immediately, I show them, and then later on is when it actually gets dissected and and um, you know considered realistically. Okay,
0: what what what's your writing uh, instruments? Are you a, um, a guitar? Are you just sing into your iPhone or your piano? <laughs> I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna say yes to almost anything that you could say right now. That's, that's that's how I write songs. It's always different, okay. to be honest. Sometimes it's like I'll just be sitting there dinking around on my guitar, and something comes out. And sometimes I'm digging around on a piano. Probably the majority of the songs that I write, um, I write electronically, meaning that like um, I might have like a hook line in mind that I've sung into my iPhone, and then I go to my computer and I build a track, and then write the song on top of a track. So um, you know, that's probably my my weapon of choice is the computer.
0: Are you a Pro Tools guy or what are you?
2: You know what? I I use Pro Tools on occasion, um, but I, this is, this is almost embarrassing to admit, especially if there's any, if any techno geeks, you know, listening to what I'm about to say, but I use GarageBand almost exclusively whenever I'm putting tracks together.
0: And see, I don't think you should be ashamed of that. Because... I shouldn't. No, no, man. Why? I mean, here's the thing. It's a songwriting tool right? True, it's something true, you're familiar true. with. The The job is not to create a perfect piece. It's to capture the idea. And then some geek who spent way too much money in the studio can use GarageBand or I use Studio One. There's, you know, a lot of options. We did the
2: Yeah. We did the whole record on Studio One. Actually. The whole thing is on Studio One.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I happen to love Studio One, but we won't. Me too. It's great. All right. Personas, are you listening? We're sorry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and sponsor me. It's fine. If you want to, I'll
0: send him a note, you know, cause I got him queued up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Send him one. All
0: right. Well, anyway, uh, let's keep moving on the album. So, uh, so this is cold down to 40 and then you let another group of people go through those and say, here's the ones that we think really fit in here. Uh-huh. Um, you know, how, how many did that get down to and, and what say do you have over that? Or did you even want to say over which, of the which 11 should, should get there?
2: Um, my input is almost always exclusively, uh, to, to which songs are more personal to me. Um, so I try to take a step back from, um, um, from the end all judgment, this is going to happen, um, and tend to kind of pull the audience and that's, that's how it ends up going on the record. Uh, but the the factor that I end up including in general is which songs are more meaningful to me personally. which is, which is kind of the intangible, right? Just because it means a lot to me doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better song or that it should get recorded. Um, but if we come down to a tune, it happened on this record actually, come down to a tune and um, it's kind of neck and neck with another one, that, that tends to be the deciding factor as I go, well, this one actually means more to me. Not that I don't like this other one, but this one is, is, is more you know, attached to my, uh, to my heart than the other one.
0: If I can be so bold, which, which track are you talking about?
2: That um, was uh, No Matter What is actually the song that I'm referring to right now. So No Matter What was kind of on the cusp. And I'm so glad we recorded it now because it's my favorite on the record on this, on this new project. Uh, but No Matter What was on the cusp, and, and, and that song is, is pretty, um, pretty near and dear to my heart.
0: Should I go into details or should we just move ahead?
2: You can if you want to. No, I'm, um,
0: I'm always curious about what yeah. you know where the seed starts, especially when it's personal and, and how that relates.
2: Totally. Totally. So no matter what is, is a song about depression. Hmm. It's me tackling the idea of depression. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily deal with depression, but I absolutely fluctuate just like other human beings, um, from, from being happy to, to kind of being down. And mine is almost always directly related to how my music career is going. Um, you know, if if I feel like things are not working out or if, if I, you know, something happens where I, I'll get real discouraged and kind of hit a low and it'll happen, you know, a couple hours, a couple days, whatever it is. And so I started kind of, I've got some friends who deal with serious depression. Yeah. Um, and so I started kind of um, trying to get into the mind of, um, you know, my own to start with, but also, also kind of serious clinically depressed people. And especially ones who are believers, it boiled down to um, a lot of times boiled down to um, them kind of uh, um, almost almost evaluating life based on their feelings, yeah, rather than rather than what reality actually is. And so, um, no matter what is is a uh, a secondary declaration of the fact that. Even though your feelings are telling you that he doesn't care and that he's not there and um and that you're all alone, um, that's incorrect. Right? Your your feelings are lying to you. And reality is is that um he's there. He's there, he's in control, he knows what's going on, and, and he's a part of your life. So, um
0: I really appreciate that. That's um I mean, one of the things I want people to understand is, and I'm sure you get this, and that's part of the reason you wrote the song, is just just because you declare Christ is, is your Savior and, and you are walking with Him, there's no guarantee that life's issues are all of a sudden going to dissolve. and.
2: Oh, yeah. No, no. It probably means the opposite, to yeah. be honest. Life is a lot easier if you just I mean, it's less fulfilled, right? You're, you're living in walking in the middle of death. But if life is a whole lot easier, yeah. if you just go with the flow and do what you choose to do, right? You, you're, actually, you're actually living in the middle of death and you're going to be miserable, but you will not be like swimming against the tide, right? Swimming up a river going the wrong way. Yeah. So it's not the easy life. It's just the only one worth living.
0: I wholly agree with you. I think that's really well said. I might have to share that with people before I publish the interview.
2: Look okay, at I won't give in when I face my demons. Cause you,
0: cause you love free transition a little bit from from that uh as you mentioned kind of your uh, as you experience let's say depression or whatever it's related to how things are going with your career and i and i feel like i'd be remiss if if i didn't go back and say a couple of years ago you were on this little show people may be familiar with it called the voice
2: this is the
0: voice oh yeah so let's cut that um but <laughs> sorry yeah So um, and I realize you probably answered a hundred questions plus about that experience, but one of the things, I guess what I'd like to understand is um, not necessarily what your experience was, you know, tell me what Blake Shelton was like or anything like that. And, And I don't, I don't even remember you on the show and I've watched every season. So uh you really thanks
2: a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, that. you
0: resonated with me, obviously. Great. Um, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, really hammered my face home in your brain. Great. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
2: but just in retrospect, as you're looking
0: at um at that experience, can you tell me what you um you thought that experience might mean to you from a career perspective?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um first off I'll say this is I really don't get nervous whenever I perform. And I was shaking with nerves before I went out on the stage to do the voice to do the blind auditions. It's just really hard to get out of your own head because there's you know 15 million people watching, yeah. and, and uh, you know it's hard it's hard to not think about that moment as being the biggest moment of your life, that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, you know nobody turned around. That's that's the for, you know for anybody who had didn't know, I didn't win season two of the Voice. Nobody turned around. Nobody hit the button. Um, I think I sang really well, and and you know they said a bunch of kind things when I flipped the, when they flipped the chairs around after I was finished, but uh, didn't happen. And really, you know that was a punch in the guts. It really was. Um, it was easy to put a nice spin on it, which is why it didn't last very long. Um, but but absolutely was was super discouraging um, that nobody hit the button just because you know you just don't get. You know, I've never been in front of fifteen million people before, right? Yeah. And 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 if I could go just a couple of rounds, it's this massive, you know, platform to jump off of to try and get this, you know, thing that I really care about rolling. And uh when it just didn't work out. Really, really I I absolutely in in the probably two days following that did a lot of, of fish shaking I got, right? Is yeah. the hey where, where were you? Where where were you when this was going on, right? This this was a good thing. And, and you should have you should have made it happen you know what, what were you doing right there yeah. um, you know and, and, and I don't know that's that's really what I came to in the whole thing. I don't know what was going to happen right It may have been way worse if I'd have gotten to the blind editions. Only God knows what was really you know what the best thing was and and uh, so it was it was it was a heartbreaking experience. You know we're getting an angle that I don't think I've really ever talked about when it comes to the voice but yeah that was I mean it was a pretty big blow coming off of it. Um, But I'm glad I did it anyway.
0: Does it represent to you you know in retrospect both professionally and personally
2: Um, personally uh the voice the voice was um kind of a uh it was like a milestone of of uh, um you know things things going a good direction which is bizarre because nothing really happened on it, right? I got kicked off pretty much immediately. Yeah, um, but there was, you know, I'd put out a couple of records independently at that time, and and they had done okay. And and immediately, as soon as I kind of came onto this national stage, there was this big buzz that surrounded it happening. And I put out a record right afterwards that really kind of exploded an independent record, and it's one of my favorite records still to this day. Um, and And so I think I think it kind of even though I was on for just a couple of seconds, it still was kind of a milestone of of um, this music thing kind of becoming um, a serious means of of taking over my life. yeah so personally, um you know there was there was some um there was some confidence in me that kind of pushed me along the the route that I'm currently on um, from the voice actually happening professionally. I think there are much more, um, reality TV fans than music fans. Right. And so I didn't necessarily get a giant bump in my fan base because I popped onto the voice. I got a bunch of attention and, you know, social media followers. It yeah. was a big buzz on the internet for a day because, you know, there was, you know there was some extenuating circumstances with my little blip, the 15 seconds of fame that I had there. Um, but uh, you know, it wasn't a necessarily a big bump in my fan base. It did make the people who had heard about me beforehand more interested in what I was doing, and that was the positive that I think that happened. Is is um, you know that's the battle I can continually fight, right? And I think everybody fights it. I've I've been talking to a whole lot of artists about this, but what I am always trying to do is keep people engaged. Yeah. Um, I want I want partners to, to you know be with me along the way believe in what I'm trying to do and and uh, be active participants in in my ministry and what I'm trying to um, do which is change the world in general right change people yeah. by changing the world um, so I think the professionally those were the two things that I learned
0: and, and uh, you just touched on something that I think is important for people to hear as an artist that you really can't be a passive part of your own career, you know, as as much as we would like to just create and hand it off to somebody else. You can't really do that.
2: No, 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 no. A big part. Here's the thing for, for people who are aspiring artists, here's, I mean, I could talk about this for hours and I have before. Here's the real, here's the real kind of slap down. The reason I really got into music, if I'm going to be honest, and I've had to be with myself is because I'm a big fan of me. Right. And when you do music, there's, there's a lot of attention coming your way you get up on stage and everybody pays attention to you. You put out a record and people listen to it and they tell you how great you are. But the fact of the matter is, and this is really funny how God does this, if you want to have a successful music career, most of what you do is create something and then beg people to pay attention to it, yeah. which, is, which is the least – like self-indulging egotistical thing you can do it absolutely is the biggest slap in your pride ever so that that's kind of the funny you know, probably two years of me really figuring out that that my ego trips were the opposite of god going now like this pride thing is is it's for the birds and if you want to hang on to that then you might as well go do something else and live in your own cage or whatever so it's it, really to be successful in the music industry you you have to kind of sit at the end of the table. It's the Jesus story in practical terms. If you want to be first at the table, you got to go sit at the end of the table and it, you know, you'd be a self-salesman. And it sucks being a self-salesman because if you walk up to somebody and you go, hey, listen to this. And they listen to it and go, that sucks. Then it's hard to hear that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it happens all the time. There's way more no's in this world than yeses, And that's that's a difficult thing to swallow if, if you uh, if you're a prideful person like I am
0: yeah I appreciate your insight on that. I think the people listening are going to appreciate that. I, you know as I engage with more and more artists, my experience is that um, we have these perspectives of where we think we're going to end up, and then you grow to appreciate the drudgery that gets you to wherever you end up.
2: yeah, yeah, and the, and really, the things that you value is is a big part of it. Is that what do you what do you value going into it? And if you don't take a serious look at what you value and why you're doing what you value, then you you tend to you know fall off the train and, yeah. and either either change what you're doing to to kind of fit your values or you're miserable. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of artists who are miserable because what they value is not realistic. Yeah. If you if you value fame, you will never be happy, and you're going to quit what you're doing, or you're gonna you're gonna die unhappy because fame is fleeting. It's not a real thing. Um, it's just kind of, you know, it's a, it's a floating concept that's never attainable. And if it is, then, um, you're, you're miserable knowing that fame is, is empty.
0: It's a constant effort to fill a hole that can't be filled. Except... That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's that plum song, right? There's a God shaped hole in all of us. Yeah. And we, we try to fill it with a whole bunch of other things and it just, you know, it just keeps eating one of those things up and God's the only thing that can actually fill that hole.
0: Got to appreciate Plum, man.
2: I wish I'd written that song, man. That's the best song.
0: Hey, I just noticed that we're, uh, we're we're running long today. I want to respect your time. I know you have some more golf to get to, um, but I want to make sure people understand that the album came out June 23rd, so it's available right now. Uh, so get to iTunes or wherever you buy your music and, and download that, or, or actually maybe buy the physical one if that's still available anymore these days. Um, but in terms of what's coming up for you, what should people be aware of?
2: Um, well, I've got a uh, tour coming up in the fall. Um, it's with Cutlass and, uh, and Mark Schultz. Nice. Yeah. And I think it's starting, uh, in October and we'll go through November. So come check it out.
0: All right. Are you coming to Portland by any chance?
2: I wish you had asked that because I have no idea because I haven't looked at the entire schedule yet. I'm going to give a tentative yes because it's Cutlass, but I might also give a tentative no because I do not know.
0: All right. If... If you get here, then I'll I'll see if we can set up coffee with you, me, and Nick to party. Yeah,
2: I'd love that. That'd be great.
0: Cool, man. Well, I'm blessed by it. Go play some golf, and uh, I will catch up with you in Portland.
2: Yes, sir. All right, Joe. We'll talk to you later, man.
0: Hey, thanks for coming back. Hope you enjoyed that interview, and uh, glad you were patient, you know, waiting for 15 minutes of uh, random tech talk to get to that interview. But uh, Dan and I don't get to talk as much as uh, we used to, but uh, Dan has been working so hard on a, um, a, 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 a renovation project, which we'll talk about in a later podcast because we've already burned a lot of time here. Um, but yeah. anyway, you know, I want to just say, you know, some things that I took away from that interview and I really enjoyed talking to, um, to David, but, um, you know, the, the things that we touched on that, that I hope people take away is, um, we did, we actually released this one as a wise words, but his perspective on very realistic perspective on, you know, as an artist, the toughest thing to do is the, the, the humbling thing is that you, you put your heart into a piece of work and, um, and that's the thing you're passionate about. But then when that's done, then you have to go beg people to buy it you know
1: yeah. yeah you know
0: please buy this thing that i poured my heart into and it's a very humbling experience and he also speaks a little bit you know about that when he talked about the voice you know i'm a i'm a regular watcher of the voice my wife and i enjoy that it's one of the few reality shows that we get into and of course i as you guys if you listen to the interview you know i don't have any idea who he was i don't I didn't see it or anything so mm-hmm. making yeah. sure that he felt really continuing to feel crummy about that experience. But <laughs> I really appreciated him sharing what it's really like leading up to that, what he expected that would mean to his career. And then the the enormous letdown immediately thereafter. And then what it meant long-term, how that helped him normalize um, mm-hmm. and grow as an individual to recognize, yeah, you know, I got something out of that. Um, even if it wasn't, you know, a big bump in, fan base or anything like that so it, it was it was cool how i don't know from my perspective very cool how realistic his take on that was and i hope that
1: people who are listening take that take away mm-hmm. from that as well yeah even with american idol like most people would say they don't want to win first place because you tend to get a career if you're second third or fourth you know if you look at artists that have gone by other than maybe carrie underwood right um, you know, like Dozier is one of my favorites out of the, out of American Idol. I'm I'm a and, Kelly Clarkson uh, fan. I'll, I'll admit yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, you're going back a bit. Um, oh, no. All the way. I'm going back all the <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I was being kind, Joe. Come on.
0: <laughs> I didn't um, I didn't watch the season. I just know that she was the first winner.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but there's there's many many that have been on there that you know they they didn't get first place, and ironically, a lot of Christian artists that made their way on there that at least call themselves Christian or they're on Christian radio. Um, You know, there's a few names that, you know, I can't think of right now, but it's not really important that have been, um, Chris Sly Sly for one. yeah. Yeah. Um, there's at least three others that I know of that are on Christian radio that started, through American Idol, so there are benefits to those things. Um, but winning, I don't necessarily think is one of them because you're you become a marketing um, option for them. So, right. I mean, that's another topic for another day. But um, is is winning number one the ultimate um, bonus? I don't necessarily think so. But uh, but who am I, Joe? I'm not on there.
0: <laughs> right. Right. We're not. We're not. We're, we're the, the cynical um, non-competitors who are, uh, have, you know, I wouldn't call it sour grapes syndrome folks. I had no ambitions about doing anything related to that. Mm -hmm. And, and of course I'm, I'm 45 now. So just so people are aware I'm getting older. Um, but you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I may have been more ambitious, about an art career or a music career, whatever, um, these things didn't really exist. Yes. So see to me, I see something like the interview that we just did with Shane Whalen at um, international songwriting competition. I mean, their perspective on that is much more practical. Yeah. I mean, there's, yes, there's money involved, but they're also, Hey, there's A&R people who are listening to this, who are judges, there's industry professionals who you're going to get exposure in that way from people who actually are in a position to do something for your career um, versus what you think might come out of a, but you, you know, out of your fifteen minutes of fame, if that much on a, a TV show, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. how people yeah. will forget that more quickly than listening to a, a song two or three times. That seems to me it
1: seems to resonate more. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, we should wrap this episode up. But yes, sir. Um, if if you want to connect with us, as always, you can go to our website frequency.fm, and uh, we're on social media, typically on uh, Twitter. Um, although Joe does run our uh, personal Facebook account, which is Brookhouse Thompson, that's true. Uh, which uh, it almost sounds like something from Miami Vice or something, <laughs> right. the way our names mix together. Um, and we do have a Facebook page. Not sure you know, how easy it is to get to pages these days. I notice a lot of artists are having issues with their pages. Um, they're you know, basically converting their personal profiles now. Yeah. Um, but we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter, at FM. And uh, Google Plus, I believe, is dead or close to it. So uh, we're not really putting that a whole lot. Yeah, But uh, be sure to connect with us. You can email us, um, frequency.fm at gmail.com. And Joe and I both have emails there as well, dan or joe at frequency.fm.
0: That's right. We actually get those emails and respond to them Mm -hmm. most of the
1: time. Yeah, so please you know, go on iTunes, uh, Stitcher. There's many different ways you can listen to us and make sure you can rate and review. If we see your name as a rating or a review, we might send you something.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that next episode. Sounds good. Well, bye for now, Joe. Oh, yeah. Bye, Dan. <laughs>